Blitz is defined as a sudden savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic primal confrontation, man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts, Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I'll transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. That's right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong, but don't come at all. Coming strong with another off-season edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. I am Jeff Howe, going to bring you the latest and greatest on the 40 Acres. Talking a lot of Longhorn football. Veterans are due back on campus next week. Summer workout's going to start after that once the newcomers get rolling in. Uh, I believe June 2nd, I think, is when residence halls open, and then summer school starts right after that. Rod B., you know about all that. Hey, man, I used to love that time. You got to clear out the dorm, then you got to come so back. You got to clear out the dorm because we, we, I always stayed for summer, so I would live in the dorms during the summer. Ken Solving, I think we would live in, mm-hmm. which was good because it was cold. That's a building name? Yeah, Ken, Ken Solving is over there. Damn it, where is it? Is it? Oh, man. This is it Dean Keaton is over there by Dean Keaton? Ken Solving? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That communicating. So there you go. So uh, it was great because we were never that close to the co ed uh, part of the dorms because they would have us like situated on floors three, four, mm-hmm. and five in Jester. And Jester, by the way, I think when I was living there, it was like the biggest dorm in like the in like the southwestern United yeah. States. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it, was, yeah. it was huge. But we were only on three, four, and five, all the football players. Which so you could just they had or they had regular RAs that were mm-hmm. supposed to police Casey football players, yes. <laughs> and Leonard Davis and Sean Rogers. <laughs> you know what I mean? On floors three, four, five. I feel so bad for those damn RAs, uh. man. I always used to give them love and like listen to them and like, all right, man, I'll do it. Because they would have to knock on doors and like You're a mediator. Give notices to Yeah, like <laughs> Casey Hampton. Eviction. You know what I mean? Like, well just say, hey man, uh I you know, I saw some trash outside of the dumb and need you to Pick up that tray. You know what I mean? Like He'd give was, them Debo and eyes. He would, yes, he, they would just get straight up. They would straight up punk these dudes, man. Oh, yeah. And I feel so bad for them all the time. Anyway, I digress. My point being, we were not close to the co-ed part of Jester. So I we ne- and then our dining hall was separate. So we were always like separate but equal. Like, you know what I mean? Like it was we were literally segregated from the rest of the actual student population. But in Kansas Alving during the summer, we weren't. Like I was right next door to like Across the the way from like ladies, who, yeah, ladies who were uh, they were like roommates. It was a new world. And then I was roommates with some. I think me and uh, Dakari Pearson were, were living together back then, like in in the consulting dorms. And I didn't spend a lot of time there because I was always off campus hanging out with uh, the cool kids. Mm-hmm. You say, you know what I mean? Uh, Shanahan and Shanahan and Sims because you lived never, with them. Never sort of. lived in the dorms like they always. Even though you were supposed to live in freshman, Sims had a dorm room. But I think he also had an apartment too. Yeah. I think he had both. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Only hey, smart. Why not? Uh, so we were always hanging out off campus, but Ken Solving, that's why it was great during the summer because I had access to the ladies. Man, that's where I hooked up Stevie Lee with Summer, who he is still married to to this day. They got beautiful kids mm-hmm. together, and I hooked that up because I was trying to hook up with her, and she was like, I want to meet a nice guy. And I was like, oh, but that ain't me. I got somebody you can meet, though. <laughs> you know what I mean? I got yeah. somebody I hooked There's up 85 with. of us. Boom. There's one I know yeah. that you should. It's a perfect marriage. So he's a football player. She's a cheerleader for Texas. Uh, I want to say they're like the they're like the Cosby Show. Well, not not not. That's now. what he said when not he came on Cosby with now. us. Well, he yeah, thanked yeah, yeah. you. He and yeah. he totally no, he vouched. Owes, he owes me, dude. Like if I ever have to like kill somebody and I need somewhere to hide the body, I need somebody to help me <laughs> chop it up mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. I'm calling Stevie Lee because you owe me, bro. All right, I hooked you up with your woman, married with kids, you're happy. You owe that to Rod B. This podcast just got dark real quick. Rod. <laughs> yep. I will never need hey, to do man, that. But when you saying. You got to ask somebody that owes you that kind when of When a man uh, wants to said, tell how much trust he has yeah. in another, that's AC, about as high as Collins. If you're going to be AC to, o, to OJ's AC, <laughs> that's what everybody so Stevie should Lee's have. Stevie Lee's your Al Collins. Yes, everybody should have somebody okay. in their life where they would, they would drive the white Bronco, no questions asked. I got you, bro. If you ain't got that person in your life, 
You're doing it wrong. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your boy. I don't know who it is, but I'm just saying, Casey Horney is that for Tom Herman. I guarantee you. And I can you know, see. Think about Because I've seen Casey Horney at that background thing, too. I talked to Casey. I was like, what's up, man? Good to see you every day. And then he's like, yeah, man. Because uh, I, I actually uh, was texting to him back when, you know, him coming onto the staff was a big deal. And right. I was upset about it. By the way, for the record, Casey Horney was the DBGA uh, yes. when Rod was on when the 40. So I know Casey know. really well. And I said, hey, man, Casey probably tweeted something stupid that didn't make him a bad guy. I know he's a good dude. Um, but uh, I was talking to him, and I was like, man, I was like, how much love you got for Tom Herman? He was like, man, I love that guy, man. <laughs> like, it, like it's, 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 it's AC. Like, he would drive the white Bronco for Tom Herman. Kindred spirits. Like, boom, no and, question. And the one difference, so, though, between. But he also say, like, when you do a favor like that for somebody, it's, you know, that's, that, you're in deep. It wasn't until the 30 for 30 on OJ that I found out, though, because your Al Cowling's uh, metaphor is exactly a good comparison, except for the one fact that in high school, he actually had OJ steal his girlfriend in front of his face and never reacted. And then that's where the subservient level came after that. OJ did take his woman. Yes, OJ did not treat Al very well. And Al actually jumped in front of OJ when uh, somebody tried to shoot him and they were mocking they would shoot him and Al jumped in front of him. Since we're talking OJ, you know, my theory about the OJ, all this kind of stuff is with the, you know, Chris Chris Jenner, Chris Jenner now, but she was Chris Kardashian back then, and Marcus Allen is involved in all this oh, yeah. too, and and a- AC. This is the kind of were, good stuff you get on Longhorn Blitz. They were, the they were all they do. It was just, it was like the seventies. It was like seventies and eighties. They were all swingers. Oh yeah, that's why, and okay. it that and it got out of control. Like it, they were all just swingers. The the Kardashians, Marcus Allen and his woman, who's on the Housewives at one point. AC, LA that's cocaine why they were all and so money. close and weird. boom, it was cocaine and swinging. And that's just my theory. And then it got out of control when OJ started hearing that Marcus Allen was banging his woman, and AC may have been banging her, and other you know, car, like and that Chris. That's why Chris Jenner may actually have had. Chloe Kardashian. There's some DNA. Yeah, you know, I got all that kind of stuff. That's why it's all like interwoven. It's because they were just swinging out, they were having a good time. And OJ, OJ got, OJ got a little jealous, man. There OJ you go. got jealous, and that's what o- OJ shady. OJ the bigger, shady younger version of him. There you go. Uh, well, we're going to talk about Sam Ellinger and some other stuff go. on the show From this OJ week. OJ to but, Sam Ellinger. Yeah, like we're going to try to make that segue. Uh, let me bring in the rest <laughs> of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, but the man that sits uh, to my right. He is at the controls. If it were not for him, this podcast would be awful. Uh, he is Matt Butler. Matt, um, how are how are things, man? Doing I well. Thought, I thought we were supposed to be in severe weather time. Right uh, now. I wish we were. These uh, my dad's called the things behind us thunder poppers because you have a big uh, amount of humidity, so a chance of rain, but yeah, pretty dry right now. Now you said drop machine extraordinaire, and I don't have my old drop machine. But I did transport a lot of them, and as I was walking in today, okay. and I was thinking a Big 12 tournament, and I just started oh, laughing out loud. I know exactly oh. where you're going with <laughs> Because this. I immediately yeah. started to think, the first thing I think of Beautiful. when I think of Big 12 tournament, it's a game against Missouri, and it was Mr. <laughs> Bill Little, and I played that sound for you the other day. So there's an inside joke among Longhorn fans that we don't make fun of dying or make fun of cancer, but no. when we laugh when th- those are involved, it's a Bill Little reference. And so we, don't an to, inside joke. we don't mean to mean to demean Paul Splitorf either. Oh, no. Oh, the Kansas-Cityan. It happens. Oh, That's such a great Is dead. moment in radio. A man who loves One, a good soundbite. He loves a good drop. He can talk about uh, his OJ theories and all kinds of stuff on this show <laughs> and on the broadcast each and every day on 1049 The Horn from 1 to 3 because he is our renaissance man and he is our lockdown corner here on the show. Lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats oh, of the CFL, who 40. now that's right, baby. Now have right. Johnny Manziel under contract. Give it up, baby. So the 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 degrees <sighs> between Rod B and it. Art Briles and Johnny Manziel, it just that that weave gets woven <laughs> even tighter. Uh, but when he was done in Canada, got himself back to Austin, Texas, under 40 acres where he earned his degree. If he knew where his T-ring was or was in possession of one, he would wear it proudly. Mm-hmm. Nevertheless, he is a card-carrying member of DBU. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thanks for the and, intro, uh, brother. Always make me feel good. Rod, it's, it's interesting, man. I filled in on the afternoon show. Kevin Dunn was on vacation last week, so I sat in with Chad last yeah. Thursday. I uh, went to the Houston Touchdown Club. You remember that trip I was telling you last week? I was like, yeah, should I go or go? not? I ended up going. I'm I went glad to the Houston, you went. I was like, you got to go check that out, so man. Craig Way was down there? Craig Way was emceeing the Ooh. banquet. Everybody and then, was uh, there. CDC was there. Yeah, I got, got a little time with Tom Herman. Yeah. Um, and then drove back into the afternoon show. And uh, I don't remember if it was the afternoon blitz or voicemails, 
But somebody requested that I do the Rod Babers intro from this podcast on the afternoon show. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, that that's really cool. That's the intro I've ever gotten. I, I didn't know like the intro is. was that popular, but I'm glad people like it. No, so. it's almost like a wrestling intro. No, like yeah, I was about to say the yeah, same yeah, thing. You have like, the roots, like a, and yeah. like it's a subliminal thing really that is. there is a buildup that you come with. That if you are just from that 80s, 90s kid era, you're used to almost everything being presented I'm that way. I'm going to have you like recorded for the, for the Rodcast. One time. So I guess like what APC Paul Hame, what Paul Heyman is to Brock Lesnar, I am to Rod Babers. There you go. I'll take it every damn time, brother. No, Rod, it does make me feel good, though. I love the intro. Rod is a much better mouthpiece than Brock Lesnar, though. Uh, I, I that appreciate much. that. Yeah. See, there you go. That means a lot I don't think me. you're as much of a badass as Brock Lesnar. No. But. I would say in mouthpiece um, ranking of DBU, Quandre is probably at the top, but I would say you're more, I, I might be you're in the top there, 10. You're up there, Rod. I right there. The was, I assume Vasher was up five. there. Vasher could talk some trash, yeah. But there's some guys. Brian Westbrook apparently was a notorious trash talker. When you can provoke Roy Williams into throwing hands on the practice field, yeah, I'd, I'd say your Boom. your game is up. I've yeah. never seen Roy Williams angry, anyway, so I could I I knew how to just get ridiculous with it. Rodby yeah. studied uh, the Macho Man Randy Savage and Ric Flair. Boom, yeah, Macho Man, Macho Man's mouthpiece underrated. Yes, very, very underrated. underrated. Sometimes you didn't know what the hell he was talking about, but it sounded cool. Exactly. That was something, <laughs> something I learned Which also. Is like all of rap now, you know what I mean? Yeah, there like, you go. What the hell he's talking about? That sounds really cool. And yeah, I also yeah, learned yeah. in that Andre the Giant 30 for 30, the one person Andre the Giant didn't like. Didn't like that much. Yeah, man. that yeah. was random, he too. He was a, too fake for him. He didn't, he didn't like the flashiness of this Ooh, up-and-coming yeah. youngster. Yeah. Really? So am, yes. I, so am I to believe that this generation of hip hop artists were influenced by the Ultimate Warrior? Because he was another guy that had <laughs> promos that, like, he's like just ranting and raving. I'm like, I don't know what the hell. It's well, talking now, about. like, now, now when yeah. you like, Look, like kids now, like, if you're like in that 19 to 21, 22 range listening to hip hop now. Are you going to look back 20 years and be like, I don't know what the hell that guy was talking about? <laughs> no, Well, no, I, I said I always can't wait. I can't wait till I get old um, and hopefully I, I make it, you know what I mean, to the point where I'm old. But when old people, 70-year-old people, 80-year-old people, when the music they grew up with is actually hip-hop because hip-hop is so young. Yeah. But it's still probably yeah. the most impactful musical in nursing genre homes in the history of the world. Like, they've actually done studies. Right. No, no musical genre has been this impactful this quickly in the history of the world. All right? right. Not rock and roll or anything. And when people are like 80, like now they, my mom listens to Motown mm-hmm. and all this kind of stuff. So, and then, you know, you, people listen to Elvis and the Beatles and everything because they're old now. What happens... You know what I mean? In 20, 30, 40 years, when the 70, 80-year-old people, when you go to the nursing home. In H-Town jamming, and they're banging yeah, screw. They're jamming screw. They're jamming Jeezy. They're jamming Lil Wayne. You know what I mean? Like, yep. how weird is that going to be? That's going to be like the real, that's going to happen, though. Yeah. Like, old people are going to be jamming. I'm starting to see like, with my parents. Old, yeah. Because my parents are hitting 60, which isn't real old. But to me, as a little kid, 60 was real old. Yeah. But my dad will roll up with the windows down smoking a cigarette, jamming some, like, heavy 80s hairband. I'm like, yes. <laughs> There you go. Yeah, give me ACDC. I was going to a family thing, and he wanted to drive around so we could hear the end of the ACDC song. And yeah. It's like evolving towards that. One more decade, and you get 90s, and then that's where you're that's at whenever. They're yeah. bringing Nirvana is the classic. I just think well, rock and roll is not weird because you get old people that are that are playing concerts. Old rappers don't exist. Exist, yeah. The old, old, old rock and roll Run guys. Run DMC. They, they, they tour forever. Mm-hmm. They tour forever. In their sixties and seventies, like yeah, we're getting the Eagles back together. It's like damn, how old y'all y'all have got to be? We all perform. Hip hop artists after forty years old as a hip hop artist, it's not cool to Run see DMC's up there it. rapping about pimping and rapping about drugs and going to the club. It ain't cool. That's why now Snoop Dogg is working with Martha Stewart. That's why Ice Cube now is doing family friendly movies. That's why Ice T is now going from cop killers to playing a cop yep. on TV to Ice Tuola. Cube. You know what I mean? Like You have to transition as a rapper. That's why it's going to be even more ironically profound and weird to see old people like great old people jamming like NWA, yeah, and jamming like you know what I mean, like yeah. straight. That's what they're gonna be jamming when they mm-hmm. get old because that's all we know. When I get old, I'm jamming Tupac. Yeah, I'm gonna be jamming Hail Mary at seventy. If that's I'm at awesome. seventy, and my kids are gonna be like, that that music's uh, stupid. And I'm gonna be like, well, it, mm-hmm. hey, it's cool to me, man. Yeah, Tupac. That's that's what's gonna see. Be rap about may be that first one though. And old I think rap yeah. will be that first <laughs> one though that will follow that '70s rock movement where you didn't have what you were saying until the Stones and Zeppelin and those happen and then we've got to see that first generation of true old rock stars because before was Elvis or whoever so now that's only 20 years removed from that Tupac crew and the Snoop crew so yeah it's going to be very fun to watch people watching random
All right, random conversation. Again, it, no, it's random. That's we we go <laughs> different places. So while y'all were doing that, I was getting some work done. So I just let, the, let the hip hop. Let's let the hip hop conversation cycle through. If we were hey, no, wrestling though, he'd be all deep. I would. I'd be. That's how this started, by the way. I love hip hop, but I had something to do. So I was like, I'll just let Matt and Rod riff for a little bit. I'll get this little thing done. I need to get done, and then we'll move on. My bad. Um, but no. I want to pick this up, Rob. We were talking last week. We ended the show talking about what, and and you and I have done this probably since we started doing the show. Like what, what offense or defense that Texas has in the coming year? What will it have to resemble to make it the most successful? Like what model should yeah. they follow based on personnel? And and we've had to talk about scheme too because we've had this deal every spring for the last decade. It seems like we're. You're changing schemes. Oh, we're going to be a downhill running team. No, we want to be – and we want to be Oklahoma State and Oregon. Yeah. No, we want to be Seinfeld, be an offense about nothing. We yeah. want to be tempo, tempo, tempo. We want to mm-hmm. be pro style. We want to be spread and not spread. And we want to be Baylor and you know, whatever, Tom yeah. Herman's deal. So it's been confusing times on the 40. We're a master line. of nothing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so we ended talking about how this Texas offense needs to resemble – the 2008 offense, like that should be kind of their their blueprint, so to say, within the confines of the Tom Herman's offense. And it's going to be a little bit different uh, because this offense, I think, has better personnel at tight end. You don't have Quan Cosby and Jordan Shipley at wide receiver, but you still got pretty good receivers. And you don't have Cole McCoy. Uh, you don't have you don't have twelve pulling <laughs> the trigger. Exactly. <laughs> Be McCoy. Right, but yeah. we got onto it because you know the addition of Trey Watson and what what type of expectations yeah. should you have for Trey Watson? Not Randy Watson, but Trey Watson. <laughs> Randy um, Watson. Yes. <laughs> uh, thank you, Rod. I appreciate that. I was well, I was waiting on one of you two to drop in with that. <laughs> but anyway, so the expectations for Trey Watson, we kind of looked at Duke Catalan's numbers, Tom Herman's last year. Houston, we went back to 2008 and looked at Chris Obanaya's numbers. And if you can get somewhere around there, you know, uh, what, around 500 yards, maybe around five yards of carry, in the ballpark of 40 catches, that's not outrageous for Trey Watson to have that kind of production. Yeah. So, and if you get that, then you're you're at the 2008 model. And this, you know, this is an offense, Rob, we didn't get into this. We have got, got into it a little bit, but... You know, Herb Hand, I think, has brought some things to the table that are going to make this team more efficient running the football. But this is an offense where your best plan of attack is probably going to be you're going to have to throw it to open up the run. Yeah, I've talked about that, too, uh, on my show, actually. Um, I brought up, there's, let me make sure I get the stat right, there's one game this year where the Texas offense, or last year, I should say, where the Texas offense scored more than at least 30 points or more, and didn't have a non-offensive touchdown. It's only one of those games. Mm. That's not good. K-State, I believe, is the only game. And then you were losing even games with non-offensive touchdowns right. like Maryland. Yeah, which is, which is <laughs> actually – which goes against almost every football statistic. Just shows how bad Statistical trend were. you've ever seen. Yeah, um, but I, I, I did that math. I was trying to look at the offense and kind of look at what worked for them last year, and I and – I, Started breaking down the games individually, and like Matt said, most of the games they had non-offensive touchdowns where they had an offensive outburst. And I believe the only game where they scored 30 or more points without a non-offensive touchdown was K-State. And if you remember that game, I remember us talking about it on this podcast. They they threw the ball to open up the, uh, the offense for the run game. Uh, remember how many yards after catch? I believe in that game – Texas had more yards after catch in that K-State game than any other game this year in terms of their wide receiving core because they were, they, were, they were throwing short, high-percentage passes, which allowed uh, Texas to get, get these wide receivers out in space, and then they were able to do, you know, do what they do, get the yards after the catch, make moves. Little Jordan Humphrey, I think, had a really good game. Oh, who's the other yep. Was it him, Pip Maps? Uh, I'm going to it right now, but uh, you're right. It was, it was the Kansas Hemphill, State yeah. game. No I mean, non-offensive yeah. scores right there. I think it was him. Hemphill had double-digit catches. Colin Johnson. for 121. Hemphill. Colin Johnson was 7 for 92. They yeah. that game. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think Lil Jordan Humphrey made some plays. Too. Four for I, 60. Yeah, so what I noticed is most of that, go look at it. I want to say more than half those yards that Sam Ellinger threw in that game were yards after the catch. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Because they ran a 33-yard off the wheel route. Yeah, they were just throwing like quick, high-percentage passes, and then they would supplement the offense with the running game. And they would allow the passing game to be an extension of the running game at times and just allow him to you know, do quick hitters to wide receivers out in the flats, just get it to guys really quickly so they can make some moves uh, and beat guys one-on-one in space. 
I think that's going to be the offense this year because now you got guys like Trey Watson who also can take advantage of a mismatch and be a quick flare route or a screen route. Those are high right. percentage passes, but they'll get you to yak yards and the rack yards, and you'll have the tight end position that will be a quick hitter. You know what I mean? That can give you – and we said now the tight end position is plentiful. you got a lot of you got a lot of uh, skill there, and now you, you have depth there. Little Jordan Humphrey, what did he do really well? Well, when he had the ball in his hands, whether as a runner, all right, as a running back, or as a guy that was catching the pass, he actually was able to make plays after he got the ball in his hands. Right. So you've got a lot of guys like that that I think, you know, you can kind of build the offensive game plan around. So I agree with you 100%. You throw to open the throw. That K-State game is kind of the blueprint for Texas going forward offensively, in my opinion. Exactly. Um, so when we look at Texas being able to – and by the way, Rod, one thing I wanted to mention, I talked about this last year, and I, I went and kind of from when I watched U of H and, and I watched mm-hmm. – uh, Tom Herman was at coaching school last year at the Texas High School Coach Association Convention and coaching school, and he was one of the featured speakers. And, you know, he, it was basically split into two hours. One hour was on culture and, you know, establishing culture and yeah. kind of the things they do in the program. And the other was kind of a you, you go to those clinics, you got to give an X's and O's talk, and it was basically on their play-action passing series. And I noticed a lot of their checks, and we saw this more so with Shane Bouchelle than with Sam Ellinger, a lot of their checks were a quick throw, to the X receiver and to the boundary. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is perfect for Sam Ellinger because if you're just looking for a high-percentage throw to get your quarterback started off on the right foot, just check, boom, a little hitch to Colin Johnson. Oh. And then, look, that's where Colin Johnson, though, needs to develop because, look, at 6'6", 215, or 220, whatever you are, you got to be able to get some yards after catch. you got to be able to either get Break by that cornerback, run through him, yes, Beat the first offender. Account for that first offender by Great. yourself. Uh, and that throw can be very effective uh, for Texas based on what you're talking about. But I, I want to look at Sam Ellinger for a can second. Can you use that throw? Sorry to interrupt you. I just want to ask no, you this before it. you continue. Can you use that throw in like RPO form too? That throw uh, right there, yeah. Idea, throw yeah. to the boundary? Yeah, actually. Ideally, lines. but I'm just yeah, – like, Yeah, no, yeah. concept-wise, it works with yeah, the running like play off the backside. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But you know what's interesting, though? You bring up the tight ends. A lot of their RPO oh, stuff, be, yeah. one of their first – the primary reads in that is going to be the little flare to the tight end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which right. we saw that in the spring game. And we saw the back out of the backfield last year with the RPO. Release, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think that's going to be one of their primary reads in our RPO stuff is that little kind of flare swing to, to the tight end in the flat. Yeah. And yeah. you were going – to Ellinger and while you said it was the K-State game I pulled up the box score and just like a great example of how different the game is now to the game that we even watched a decade ago like until Colt McCoy there had never been a 300-100 game in Texas football history events Young never did it Colt McCoy was the first quarterback to have a 300-100 he had one of them ever and then Ellinger in that game had 300-100 he had 380 in 100. And wow. Hurd had won one game against Cal because he was running Didn't all over. Did have a 300-100 game? Uh, not a 300. Not Unless, I mean, I am citing Texas's record book, which, which could be been, been wrong. wrong. I, I've Nathan Basher has yelled yes. at us. But I've been burned by that That's why you cite your too. sources. Thank you, Journalism yeah. School. According to TexasSports.com, there's only been yeah. three of those games in school history, all of which in the past, wow. since Colt McCoy. But that's just perfect context to the modern game. Oh, Swoop, Swoop's had a game again. Against, uh, I'm looking back at Tyrone Swoops 2014. Uh, he had a game against Iowa State 321 and 95. Ah, so he could have been in folklore. He could have joined this group he that Vince Young had never achieved. Cole McCoy, Sam Miller, Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I think you said it's more of just the modern game. I think yeah, it's more insight on the the modern game. Man, do you look at Tyrone Swoops though in 2014? Just looking at his game logs, you forget that in that Oklahoma Up game, yeah, he he threw for 334. Yeah, but see, and that's why game scripts so great because yeah, I notice it so much more in daily fantasy, but if you fall behind early by throwing a few interceptions and spot them a 17-3 to lead, it's a lot easier to throw for 300 yards when you're trying to come from behind and the yeah. defense is They're giving you certain things. Exactly. And so have certain it's things, funny yeah. when you see quarterbacks' production actually be most caused by their own mistakes. Yeah. If no, they Matt, dig a hole, like in no, – Matt back Stafford's in. like that. And Romo was like that to a certain extent at yeah. times. Romo was his certain own. Teams. Yeah. You're like too, so good that you can get them back above average when you should just be getting beat down so here's my arms kind of like that yeah yeah here's my deal with sam ellinger uh when i look at at him and and we we all agree 
Nobody's expecting him to be 2008 Colt McCoy. Now, if he is that, it would be, Amazing. number one, a complete surprise, and number two, we'll all be jumping for joy because it means this program has finally found a quarterback. I've always said, the championship game. I've always said, and we, I don't know if we discussed on this show, the ideal quarterback for Tom Herman, I've often said, is Colt McCoy. I agree with you. The that. ideal guy that he wants. like and You go look at it, the, quarter, the, the way a coach recruits quarterbacks or whoever he brings in for his quarterback, it'll tell you a lot about that coach and the way he thinks and what he prioritizes. If you look at the quarterbacks who Tom Herman goes after, because he doesn't necessarily go after, go after always to just the top dogs. Like he just kind of has crushes on guys. He likes guys. He likes their skill set. Fit, whatever. It's a fit, whatever compatibility. Cole McCoy is his ideal quarterback. That's his dream quarterback. Right. Well. So you look at where Sam Ellinger is in the pecking order, though, Rod, in the Big 12. And this is a year where there's a lot of turnover to quarterback position within the conference. Oklahoma State's breaking in a new quarterback. Oklahoma, it's probably going to be Kyler Murray, unless. If he gets drafted high enough in baseball, which that's going to be maybe the most interesting storyline in college football to follow this summer, especially with the draft right around the corner. Uh, TCU's going with Sean Robinson with Kenny Hill out. So you look at the pecking order quarterbacks in this league, and really after Will Greer, it's kind of up for grabs as to who the next guy is. And you look at Athlon's All-Big 12 team. Athlon is the first publication that I've seen come out with an All-Big 12 team. I saw that. And they go four deep uh, at each position group. a lot of work. And – their first-team quarterback is Will Greer. Second-team quarterback is Charlie Brewer from Baylor, right up the road here at Lake Travis. My mom taught him. Uh, Kyle Kemp at Iowa State, who I think is a really good quarterback. And then Sam Ellinger is the fourth-team quarterback. And you might say, well, it's fourth-team All-Big 12. is not that big a deal. But, Rod, if you get to the – and this is all based on projections on how these guys are going to perform. That's how Athlon does it. They don't necessarily look at last year's stats and kind of just plug They'll guys project. in. What right, they're, gonna they're throw trying for to project. This year. So yeah, they're projecting yeah, yeah. a big season for, say, Bar- Baylor's passing. Game. So if you, right, if Sam Ellinger ends the year as a top four quarterback in the league, what do you what what would you say happens to this offense? Um, and I think he could do that. Considering, he could be the best out, in the context yeah. of the conference. Uh, considering like the quarterbacks that left the conference, Mason Rudolph, Baker Mayfield, most notably. If that is the case, then I think you're looking at a Texas team that could possibly lean closer to nine wins, possibly even ten wins, rather than a team that is trending towards seven or eight wins. I think I think it may it mean another win, whatever your projection. I think most people's projection is they're seven or eight win team. I'm an eight and now, four. I was say they're a seven or eight All win right. team, depending on how much you like this team or you like what's coming back. I'm with you. I'm kind of an eight win team right now. I think I can lean toward eight and a half, which would put him around nine. If Sam Ellinger is playing really well, I mean, that could be a nine. I think Mark Schleyball recently said, hey, man, I think Texas is a nine or ten win team. Yeah. And um, and yeah, I think that's based on if Sam Ellinger plays well, if there's no quarterback uh, carousel happening, if all of the graduate transfers can be immediate impact players, what they're expected to be, and Todd Orlando, who most people believe is the most stable force all right, on the, the, the Texas campus right now with the Texas football program, that if he continues to, to show his defensive genius, Texas will be an eight or nine-win team. Not necessarily because Texas is that good. They're trending in the right direction, but because the Big 12's quarterbacks, right. uh, you know, their, their, their perennial veteran quarterbacks have left, most notably May, Baker Mayfield and Mason Rudolph. Yeah, and that's where, like, you, it's always good if, say, you know, the rest of the conference's quarterbacks aren't returning. But in the modern age, too, I'd say that right now is the time where it's at least – Impact, amount of impact than it's had compared to a decade ago. A decade ago, new quarterback coming in, you weren't necessarily expecting decent product. Nowadays, you have guys come in and with just the modern offenses and freshmen right. being able to contribute. It isn't what it used to be. A decade or two decades ago, that was a huge deal. This year, maybe not as much, but still worth noting. Five of the Big 12's top six quarterbacks in passing yards per game graduated or transferred. For Texas 2018 schedule, Sutherlando uh, we'll have, I think, six offenses that he'll face that lost their primary signal caller last season. So it's good for Tarlando, but it's bad for the Big 12, but it's good for Texas. 
Yeah. Texas yeah. has their veterans coming back. Because if you win the Big 12 and you don't lose, you're going to be in. Yeah. And then even if you do lose and you're Texas or OU and beat the other one, you still probably yeah, be in. Yeah, still got USC. I don't know what the hell yeah. USC's doing. Yeah. Um, you know, so they'll have a new quarterback. Coming. I mean, Will Greer is the standard right now coming back. In the We're like the opposite of last year where we faced all yeah. the, like, uh, quarterbacks. the best quarterbacks in the country. <laughs> and then luckily the home-and-home, home, yeah. you get that reciprocated. I mean, NFL scouts were saying – what, Just watch the film. Mike Mayock was the Mike one who Mayock, was yeah, a big proponent of He was saying, yeah, Texas defense is all over the place. Just watch watching Texas. these quarterbacks. Yeah. Um, you keeping notes on your phone now, Ron? No, no, I just I didn't know. Like, I didn't yeah, know if take, you were going digital. I take screenshots of stuff Smart. now, yeah, instead of just always writing it down. I'm doing both now. Okay. Yeah, I know. What What was that from that you were just citing century. right there? Uh, actually, that was an article, and I should give him credit. Yeah, Burnt Orange Nation at that. Okay, it was a good. Um, so when we look at Sam, we look at Sam Ellinger, and if he ends up being a top four quarterback in the league in a year where quarterback production, and to Matt, to your point, talking about just the difference, it used to be, you you find something interesting, Matt, or what? I just yeah, saw your face. I just saw so Texas's win total actually isn't. I was thinking it'd be at seven and a half, which would make sense. Actually, down at seven. So I I don't know. I almost want to say that's good number to bet on if you think Texas I mean you get instead that half is huge because a seven's a loss of eight's a win if right. it's at seven when it's at seven depending on the book you either oh, have the push potential yeah. so you need six I think they're going to win more than six definitely win a, more than yes six. there you go yeah. so might look into that okay uh, thanks thanks point. for the that thanks for the advice nice Oklahoma's at ten and a half way too high you know way too high you know, yeah. I guess with the Supreme Court ruling, it's not going to be that much longer before we can openly talk about, like, well, we what? the FIPO lines ain't going to be FIPO anymore yeah, for entertainment exactly purposes right. only. Yeah. yeah. No well, question now you don't have to worry about being the, prosecuted for it. Exactly. The NCAA is most opposed to this legalized right. sports. Of league. course. Uh, aren't they opposed to everything? Except well, for no, cheating. because there's the most and potential. All the crimes. No, it's the most potential for corruption in NCAA because players in the NFL, Major League Baseball and NBA, it's going to be hard to get those not guys to throw a damn game. They get, they're getting paid millions of dollars. But for these kids who are being taken advantage of, we all agree with that, student athletes, you can easily get them to throw some kind of game by offering them a ton of money. So that's why the NCAA is really pissed off. The, the NFL and Major League Baseball and NBA, they're freaked out about the officials. So now they got to start paying their officials more. Because right. if you want to throw a game, all you got to do, and there's a little proof to kind of back this up, is you got to get to an official. Mm-hmm. All right, you get to an True. official. That guy's got some debt. He's got this. He's got that. Boom. So getting back to Texas, to Matt's point a few minutes ago, (laughs) it used to be when you're breaking in a true freshman quarterback, that meant you were in complete rebuild mode. Not the case anymore because these kids are coming from systems where it's almost like it used to be like Texas Tech used to be the kind of plug-and-play system. Yeah, Just damn near everybody in the country now is plug-and-play because these kids are coming from spread offenses in high school. The verbiage might be a little bit different, but once they understand, they this just this to us means this in your old offense. Oh, okay, okay. I got it. Conceptually, they understand what they're doing. They're spread babies. We, I mean, we didn't know we were watching it with Cole McCoy his freshman year in '06, but that's exactly what was happening. Spread babies. So. When when you start looking at the, at the rest of the Big 12, it should be understood that one of these young quarterbacks, or not not young in some cases with the grad transfer coming from Hawaii and Oklahoma State, but one of these guys, whether it's Kyler Murray or Sean Robinson, one of these guys that's pretty unproven is going to end up being really good for their team. I agree with that, so, especially that Lincoln-Riley system. And, and, and you might look at the Big 12 and say, yeah, Sam Ellinger could really, and we might poo-poo it and say, well, the league's down a little bit, but – you look at the, the TCU situation, the Oklahoma situation. Those are two talented kids that were highly recruited. So you mm-hmm. figure, I mean, you're going to get, you're probably going to get something from one of them, maybe both of them, if they hit. And Rod, maybe the most intriguing quarterback situation to me in in the Big Twelve is K State because number one, nobody ever really knows what you're going to get from K State until. You line up whatever week exactly you're playing right. K State. You don't know yeah. who it'll be, but you know it'll be but pretty good production. Right. <laughs> I remember playing K State. We just talked about that game, and man, that, that quarterback was it Delton? Was Alex name? Delton. Man, he ran all up and down the field on that Orlando oh, yeah. defense. We got lucky on that. And you know, <laughs> Skylar Thompson played really well at the yeah. end of the year, but all indications are they're going to go with Alex Delton as their guy. Really? That's that's the latest I'm hearing. And if they end up going with Alex Delton. That kind of fits more the type of guy that uh, Snyder's had success with, uh, kind of like Colin Klein yeah. type mode, you know, Jake Waters and, and, and cats like that. They were really more of the true like dual threat, dual threat type guys. guys. Yeah. So you take that into consideration, and if Sam Ellinger is a top-four quarterback in the league by the time it's all said and done, 
maybe that's not like oh well the, you know the rest of the league was bad no this this league is still going to be able to this still league is still going to produce yeah well girls first round quarterback projected right now right Kyler Murray, as you pointed out, in that Lincoln Riley system, I'll tell you right now, NFL head coaches, after watching Baker Mayfield and breaking them down, they are in love with that Lincoln Riley offense. That's mm. what they I keep say hearing, it yeah. is the most creative and innovative offense in college football right now. Yeah. And I was like shocked. I was like, damn, because I love Scott Frost's offense. I think his offense is 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 amazing. Well, Belichick Kel- was Chip so intrigued. Kelly's got an offense. We forgot Chip Kelly's still in college football now. Yeah. His offense is badass. So I was, I mean, they they I heard numerous NFL analysts say no after watching Baker Mayfield film. They are really thinking about either bringing him up, like actually calling him up, and people are considering him for a head coaching job or an offensive coordinator position. Um, and I know the Cleveland Browns are going to basically bring him up the way the Shanahan's brought up uh, Art Browse to deal with RG3 and to basically transition him. They're going to do the same thing with Lincoln Riley. But, yeah, that offense apparently is – if you you could be a star in it, and apparently a lot of people think that Kyler Murray is more – Compatible mm-hmm. and tailor made for it than even Baker was, but I think Baker Mayfield is the greatest uh, air raid spread quarterback that's ever played college football. And it's hard to disagree, right? If you look at yeah. it, I mean, you can, or high school, I'll go there. Uh, too. Yeah, just air raid, and <laughs> just he, ever since he, he started playing football, exactly, so he was exactly so he was brought up. I was the there the first game at, when he at started at because that's kind of an air raid system too with air raid rules mm-hmm. that they run there. Then with Cliff Kingsbury, who's also a child of the air raid. Then with Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma, a child of the air raid, and they're pure, they're purebreds, which means they came right from Mike Leach, pretty much. Right. They, they're really close to that tree. They're all different versions of. In the Big Twelve is an air raid conference. Dana Hogan. And all those guys. Um, so uh, even TCU, hell, I mean, Sonny Cumbie. Sonny Cumbie. So I think that Baker Mayfield has has really upped Lincoln Riley's like status. Yeah, and yeah, that's where overall. like when you heard the quotes from Mayfield's agent just talking about the Patriots' interest, and in a lot of people sort of just said, "Oh, that's just an agent talking." It was like, no, when you've heard people talk yeah. in the like back offices or the front offices and talk about those two teams, it's like that interest was so high, and it was probably because like how you said, Belichick likes to pick the brains of any great football mind, and if that's you true. can streamline and get the quarterback with that type of experience that he knows has mastered that style yeah. it's f- future of Agreed. the nfl the next decade is going to be most similar to the past decade of college football so that's that sort of guy that he could have, he had a grappolo didn't have it and was hoping that he could maybe get away with the mayfield you my know? frame of reference is limited to like coaching clinics and what i pick up from talking that's the best other, stuff other writers and people in the big 12 but you know last year when i went to todd orlando's deal out at the angelo yeah. clinic Lincoln Riley was up next, so I got done Ooh. with Todd Orlando in kind of the closed-door session, and Lincoln Riley still had another half hour left. And his was basically how they use the running backs within their passing game. And you're watching cut-ups and watching them explain it, and you're like, man, this is this is like some sophisticated stuff that I haven't really seen. And you watch it, like how he's explaining it, and you're like, man, this is some next-level stuff right here. Exactly, and that's why people who don't know about the air raid and its roots, there used to be a stigma on it that it was so simplistic, and that's why the quarterbacks don't work in the NFL because they're not doing anything. The truth is, you ask Mike Leach, every quarterback from the Mike Leach era has a story about Mike Leach yelling at them and cussing them out right. for not taking hold of the ownership of the offense at the line of scrimmage and calling their own plays. And the you know evolution I mean? of it. Exactly, because once I teach it to you, then it's your system. It ain't mine. That's why all the best offensive coaches in the country right now are Mike Leach disciples. Right. Well, that's because why- he, he gave them the offense and the keys to it long ago. So now NFL teams are just starting to learn that air raid quarterbacks actually do call a lot of protections at the line of scrimmage. They do actually change the place. It's not as simplistic as most people assume uh, that it can is. Can I give you a good example? Go ahead. When, uh, and this speaks to why Will Greer is valued as an NFL prospect now having played for Dana Holgerson. When Dana Holgerson was the OC at Oklahoma State, um, I was talking to guys in the Denton Geyer staff about Gerard Hurd. And because J.W. Walsh, uh, John yeah. Walsh's son, right. w- was a head, was a quarterback at Oklahoma State, and you know this kind of it's one of those hindsight deals. I probably should have picked up on it then. They're like Gerard couldn't play quarterback at Oklahoma State. And I said why? There's like there's way too much stuff in that offense to process. And they're like Gerard just kind of a single read guy and go like Gerard. They said Gerard would be great at Baylor where it's kind of predetermined mm-hmm. boom roll with it. Yeah, but at Oklahoma State, complex quarterback. He's calling out protections. He's yeah. he's doing he basically 
quarterback does everything at the line of scrimmage. Like he's got to call it the protection. He's got to make his checks. He's in charge of all of it. Yeah, at the and, line of scrimmage. And then when you talk about just the evolution in the way that just in the last, I'd say, twenty years, it became more of a conceptual based offensive attack across all sports instead of necessarily X's and O's or memorizing plays. You're memorizing in this situation when I see this. You know, it's sort of like how you yeah. would read keys of a receiver yeah. that you do that to where now the offense is not reacting or the defense isn't reacting to the offense it's the opposite it's what the defense gives you and it's the same idea in basketball where you see less half court sets and it's just yeah. more free flowing switching so, so then that, switching now and like, oh, that, that's why the same yeah. idea that you the first quarterbacks in the air raid system maybe had not all grasped but then now when it becomes more of a norm babies too. and they're evolving yeah. and now they step in it and then they can off of every single play well now we can add a run pass option or we can yeah. have a slant a and go play. off of it yeah. and then like the idea is that each player then it can just evolve to a level that now you aren't even running plays and you hear sometimes coaches will be critical that yeah he couldn't draw anything up on the board and it's like well because we aren't necessarily drawing up one option and this is our play it's going to be while the play goes on you could change three well, or four times happened, inside of yeah, it. It happened to Cam Newton remember he was with John Gruden and John mm-hmm. Gruden asked him he said give me some play verbiage spit out a play for me and Cam was like we don't just have yeah, plays if, like that. We, yeah, we don't. You know what I mean? I'm if giving, the defense shows yeah, something, defense we're going to react to us. And then we check to this, and then we have a, a option of plays, and based on what the Audible's defense is giving me, boom, we kill this play, kill that play, and everybody knows we're going with this, a certain play. And so it is kind of what you said it's about weird. the conceptual it, thing. It is. I mean, what our brow said, I didn't have a playbook. I yeah. have a playbook, no. Baylor didn't know. I didn't have a playbook. Don't have to I memorize all these things and make you Which think and not react. Yeah, so I know you're, you're right about that. I think that's why the air raid is developing back in its Infancy, that was not mm-hmm. the case. Now it's way more complex. It's just new ideas, and yeah. longer time goes by, new ideas become more accepted. It's like yeah. that just across all things, not just sports. So to take it back to Texas, when we look at this offense uh, with Sam Ellinger in year two, um, we, we Rod, we didn't see much of a high percentage passing game with Sam Ellinger. No, we didn't. It not. felt like at times, like we probably should have. Mm-hmm. I agree because you know? he he actually can be a K State game is a prime example. Like he can be accurate when you he's got he didn't have a lot of time either. It's beyond and Alfred, he threw it fifty times. He was thirty for fifty. I didn't know he threw it that much. Yeah. Damn. Yeah, we're making. I knew, a, I, and he ran it twenty wow. times. I didn't know he threw it fifty he times. He ran is it that, 20. His most pass attempts in a in a game, right? I, I'll, I'll venture out be. on a limb and okay. say that's the most plays wow. by a quarterback. Fifty pass attempts, twenty rushes. Okay, so there that's you go. all usage. See, I didn't know that. That's but Westbrook. That, he was our Westbrook, basically, of the, an offense taking it all. Those stats match the eye test we just discussed. That they yeah. were using the pass to open the rest. So wait, he was going deep a lot of times. They actually used play action too on early downs in that case that game. Something else I remember from watching that game. And I bet a lot I, of RPOs yeah. are this because exactly. he can throw. Um, or I'll go back and find my notes from that game because I keep all my notes from the game. He I'll threw go it. Those, but. For Sam Ellinger's high pass attempts, 50 against K-State, was go. it? Uh, he threw it 40 times against SC, 47 against Texas It was Tech. overtime. Was an o- yeah, it was overtime. So K-State there you go. was 30, overtime. And so, so was USC, right? So. 39 against Oklahoma, 36 yeah. against Oklahoma State. She threw it. Did Texas have more overtime games this past year than like the whole Mac Brown era? Yes, probably. I would say. I think so. I do believe that is the case. Yeah, because yeah, there was like the stuff. there was one um, that I remembered. But, but I think you got to work with what Tom Herman's about to do is kind of work with the the talent that he has this year because obviously still not the ideal personnel for your pro spread offense right. as he calls it. But you're getting closer. Look at the tight end position. You'll have running backs that are playmakers soon that can kind of, uh, you know, guys that can be game changers, who can disrupt the space-time continuum. You need a guy like that. You don't have a guy like that right now. I just got, you know, Jags back there. Nothing against them. But they can move the chains. They can't change the game. Keontae Ingram, from what I heard, is a game changer. So you're getting guys, and then your wide receiver position right now, I don't know how you can't take You got freaks out there, man. Colin Johnson's a freak. And matchup nightmare. So is John Burt and DuVernay because of their track speed. Right. You know what I mean? And little Jordan Humphrey is probably the best of the bunch as an overall skill set as a wide receiver. Yeah. So I agree with you. That's why you got to open up the, the offense with the passing game first because that's your strength. Get the ball in those guys' hands. Those are the guys who the defense should be afraid of, who they are afraid of. Right. I can tell you that right now. Which They, they ain't afraid of the running game. Which just, mm-hmm. it, it, I'm short-circuiting somewhere because I'm thinking back to last year and they threw the ball a lot. But some of those were throwaways, and there was pressure, and, and you taking all the, all taking into consideration all the factors. Yeah. But I go back to what the knock on Tim Beck was as an offensive coordinator. 
right, from talking to people from his time in Nebraska and his yeah. time at Ohio State. And the, the, the one kind of common thread was, and I think it was somebody in Nebraska that told me this, yeah. is that hey, if he had his, Tim Beck had his druthers, he would throw the ball every play. Yeah. Well, you've got an offensive coordinator who a play caller who likes throwing the football it's tendency with a quarterback who needs and even Bouchelle is better like the numbers he suggest is. and the analytics suggest yes. when it's a high percentage quick West passing Coast game kind of, yeah, yeah. Oh, short, yeah right he is better which no would question. also benefit Ellinger Gets him in a rhythm yeah. and, and you've got this bevy of receivers which were clearly your strength offensively last year and still this year why didn't it work the way it probably should have. Like, why was the passing game lacking? Like, where where was the disconnect? I would say, number one, because uh, obviously there was a problem with the receivers because they made a change. Right, so, yeah. number one, we know there was something there. And I always said that the uh, – you, you had – I mean, it's crazy how multi-layered it is, right? So, we, Texas didn't have a great offensive line. So, Shane and Sam are both running for their lives. What was our biggest complaint about the wide receivers last year? They, they awful in scramble drill situations. That was mine. Yeah. Drill. Couldn't reset the play once the play had broken down. And they it seemed like they, still aren't great. Did you watch the spring game? Yeah, they still weren't great at it. And no. I, in the spring game, you really don't even have a need to do it that often. But my point is, Sam Ellinger, that's what he's going to do 50% of the time. Right. Like That's going to be Sam's passing. He's going to drive back, play's going to break down, and then he's going to start roaming. You know what I mean? Go and back then, and look, look at the final drive against USC, the final regulation drive. Who are, the two bit, who are the two receivers who are the two most important guys on that drive? Lil Jordan Humphrey yeah. and Amani Foreman, two guys who are clearly the your best. two best scramble drill wide receivers. No question about it. And Lil Jordan Humphrey is right now the best scramble drill wide receiver. But the fact that you don't have Colin Johnson trained as to where to go and put his six six frame <laughs> right? mm-hmm. in between the defensive back and you know and the football, you know that's something that he should be trained to do. He should be a nightmare on a scramble drill. It's going to happen a lot. <laughs> so I think that hurt that hurt Texas' ability yeah. to make plays down the field, but also chemistry. Let's be honest, you got to. I mean, quarterbacks, in, they end up finding – they have tendencies, too, with guys they like. They figure out, oh, this guy's going to be mm-hmm. here on this route. Oh, Amante running that six route. He's money. Watch me get – you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like they, they know, oh, on the deep ball, I already know how this guy's going to fade. He's going to fade it here. I got to make sure I, I throw it out there to John Burke. How many deep throws they miss in the spring game? Yeah. Deep ball. You know what I mean? Like Early on, are, a couple. Like, damn, man. How you, how you overthrow a track how you, star? How you overthrow John Burt? Right. You know I mean? <laughs> exactly. So I think a lot of it is chemistry. You you gain that when you are the guy and you're working with the same players over and over again. That hasn't happened with Texas because we're still in a quarterback competition. Yeah. So is, is this just as simple as being able to – and we talked about it. Whether it's Whatever Tom Herman tells us publicly doesn't really matter in terms of who his starter is. No. But if it's Sam Ellinger, I think you've got to make that decision pretty early in camp that he's your guy. Yeah, you want to get some chemistry, man. You yeah. need some chemistry between those wide receivers and their quarterback. And right now, that's one thing they did not have last year. No. They just didn't. That's why it, they haven't, honestly, not last year. They haven't had that for like the last three or four since years. Chipley since Chipley left. No, since John Harris. John oh, yeah, Harris oddly. And, and oddly was John Harris. Harrison was a Tyrone, Tyrone Suits. They had a thing going on. <laughs> oh, it was amazing. And you can never explain that wide receiver quarterback chemistry. You cannot. It is, yeah. so, it is so random. Like, who the hell thought John Harris and Tyrone Suits would have it going on? Yeah. It's not like that. I, I think David Ashton, Mike Davis did for a little David bit. David Ashton, Mike Davis, you know me? Yeah. Kind of, you kind of just kind of you get a groove with somebody, man. It's just like meeting somebody. It's like, hey, man, we hit it off, man. That guy, we cool, we think alike, or whatever. It's like chemistry. Mm-hmm. It is actually something you cannot quantify. So we don't even know who Sam Miller has chemistry with. We should know that. We should yeah. know like, oh, we know Coach was going to Jordan when times got tough. Yep. We just knew it. It's like, hey, he's going to he's going to Shipley. Yeah, he likes Quan, but he's going to Shipley when times get tough. And I think you know the one I mean? he like, went to the most and had the one of the best catch rates is probably not on the team anymore in Hemphill. But yeah. yeah, and then yeah, LJ yeah, that's like so yeah, I think that's a that's a big that's something we don't talk about because you can't really quantify. But that's a big deal, man. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. That's why you got to name that quarterback as soon as possible when you know. If you don't know, that's fine. Right. But when you know, and I think all of this is really a part of. Matter of fact, I just read an article uh, uh, where they mentioned two four seven sports. How many five-star quarterbacks have they had in the last oh nine gosh, years? Oh, gosh, I need to pull this I think it's up. Like 15? Chris, uh, Chris Hummer did this article. I, know. I, I got hold on. I got the stat. I got the stat because I took a screenshot of it because I was like, it was, I what think, the I hell? I think Chris was, did it from 2010 to 2017. And nationally yeah. or Big 12? Um, or? There have been five quarterbacks from 2015 and 2017 that have now transferred. Oh, yeah. Hunter uh, Johnson is the latest. Jacob Eason, Shea Patterson, Malik Henry, Blake Barnett. Yeah, of the Tyler si- Mary, Jared Stidham. Of the sixteen five-star quarterbacks in the composite to earn a five-star rating since 2010, Hunter Johnson from Clemson was the tenth that's transferred. That's a ton. Wow. Oh, 
Hold up. Give me that again. 16? 16, since 2010? Since 2010, 16 wow. five-star yeah, quarterbacks, according to the composite. 10 have transferred. Yeah. Uh, this is more from Chris's article, and this is actually on my Twitter feed. Yeah, it's uh, a anybody great article. Anybody listening to this wants to go get it. Yeah, really uh, at JeffHow247. It's, uh, it's on my Twitter timeline. Uh Chris writes, these are the best of the best coming out of high school at football's most important position, but 62.5% of them have transferred away from their initial school at one point or another in their career. So, well, and it's only so, going to so see that and, go up. And, and, and think about this. So it's almost one of those things is like more money, more problems, right? I want the problems that people with money have. Oh, man, I'm being taxed too damn much. Yep. I'm being taxed on my millions. Well, I would love to be taxed on my millions. You know right. what I mean? I want that problem. When you're a blue blood football program, mm-hmm. this is a problem you want to have. Yeah. I got too many damn five-star quarterbacks, well, I guess one of y'all going to have to go. You know yep. what I mean? Like, you want to be Alabama where Tua's in there and yeah. then you got Jalen Hurts in there hanging out. Georgia, you bring in your freshman backup yeah, and right? he's better. Georgia's dealing with that. So what happens is it's a cycle, right? You're either going to benefit from it or you're it's going to it's going to hurt your program. Hopefully you start cycling them in and out to the point where, and Texas is going to get there too. I think Tom Herman's trying to avoid this is my whole point, where, hey, like Oklahoma, yeah, we lost one guy, but we got another one. Mm-hmm. You know, we got two as a matter of fact. We got Kyler Burr, we got Baker Mayfield. Yeah, we lost Trevor Knight. Yep. You know what I mean? That's how it's going to happen. You're going to lose a guy. Texas was like that at one point. Exactly, but you didn't, didn't make sure you're bringing in somebody too so you can never stop recruiting quarterbacks, man. Nope. And for Tom Herman, I think this is what he's doing. He see, Tom Herman is really smart. He's smarter than all of us. He sees this trend. So basically there's a 50, at least a 50% chance that your quarterback, whoever they are, I don't give a damn if they are a four-star or three-star, they're going to transfer. And I'm sorry, the stats now say that. Like There's a 50% chance. Like Whoever steps on campus to play quarterback at your institution will transfer. That doesn't include the injury rate. That doesn't include the bust rate. That doesn't include the guy that switches positions. So think about what the actual success rate of a quarterback actually is now in college football for an institution. It's got to be around, you got a 30 to 25% success rate, and maybe 40% at best. But you know what I mean? There's Hell, still look at the Sam good Ellinger. side. He's great. But he, he, he can't even make it through half the year because he got hurt. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's the that's how tough it is for back. So never stop recruiting them. They're like socks and underwear. You can never have too many. And hell yeah, I support Tom Herman. I wouldn't name a starting quarterback publicly, publicly, until I had to because I want to keep Week Shane Bouchel on that line as long as possible till he can't transfer. And I know, yeah, you screw over a young man potentially when you do that. But Shane Bouchel, you got to see the writing on the wall. The kid from, uh, the kid that transferred from Clemson did. They got the number one quarterback in the country coming. He wasn't no scrub. He was he's a five star quarterback. But he's like, you know what? I got a senior in front of me. Last year when that senior who was a junior and got hurt, they put another quarterback in and not me. And they got the number one quarterback in the country coming. You know what? Writing on the wall. Peace. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's up to Shane to see that writing on the wall. You're behind the curtain, young man. If you see it and they're not going to give you a shot, a fair shot in your opinion, or if they're going to go with Sam and that's it, then you have all the rights to transfer. He may not want to transfer. He may be comfortable here. He may not feel like Sam can make it through a year and he can beat out Sam. All of that is fair. My point is, as Tom Herman, you can't worry about that. You yeah. got a stockpile and keep bringing him in. That's why he's got four in there now. He's going to recruit another quarterback next year because he knows one of those four quarterbacks in that room right now. Is transferring. Yeah, and, and I mean, even Guaranteed. if say he yep. doesn't, Bouchelle doesn't want to transfer, he still may have to because of the modern culture that it is. And it's cool to see in this past decade, basically like post Russell Wilson, there's an emerging whole new market for quarterbacks that now, exactly right. if your quarterback isn't good, you can go out and the grad transfer is already there, but then you can already go and sort of put your eyes out because you just recruited this kid a year ago. Yep. And now he's not happy yep. and he has a relationship with these guys and you can get these kids. So it's only going to cause. It, the numbers to go up. You're going to only have more transfers because you still have an opportunity somewhere else. Somebody else, you can go take advantage of that if you have a void. And now you can make your decision about your quarterback. You don't have to worry about four year windows. You don't got it that first two years. We ain't got time for that. I'm going to get fired if I don't fire you. So I got to go find another one. Goes full circle to what Jeff said at the beginning of the show about plug in play kind mm-hmm. of formulas now in college football. These quarterbacks know I can go somewhere and have immediate success because of the systems. And they're looking at success stories like. Like Baker Mayfield, that take you all the way to the number one overall pick. Those right. success stories, Cam Newton's, those success stories of transfers, these guys aren't scared of that marketing. And then if you look at the grades, I mean, I remember hearing it first when it was Garrett Gilbert transferring out and how fast he graduated in less than, <laughs> but in less 
than three years yeah. now, now too that that you can have that grad transfer and I just had two co- cousins co- graduate college one of which is barely 21 after three years because nowadays you have so much of this c- dual credit in high school that these kids come in and you can transfer even earlier because you can be a grad transfer yeah. and only be a football sophomore going into your junior year the way that I mean what yeah Gary Gilbert played one game of his third year and then he was out mm-hmm. and he did that as a grad transfer so it can just be even quicker these days yeah. I, I here's something I want to and I want to close the show talking about this when we talk about Sam Ellinger and, and Rod you mentioned the plug and play and we talked about you know it's not uncommon to see freshmen step in and, and play yeah, big days. roles and I know everybody's tired of seeing that around here because Texas got to get out of the habit of playing true freshman quarterbacks because you don't have anything else. But maybe this is just me, like my off-season brain. I'm already at the point where I'm fried and I'm ready for like something to substance, and yeah. I maybe just I'm reading into it too yeah. much. But every time Tom Herman's asked about quarterbacks, he goes out of his way to mention Cameron Rising and Casey Thompson. He does. And, Rod, you talked about the perfect kind of quarterback Tom Herman wants. I look at Cameron Rising's skill set, and I think, you know, this kid has pro, what people would describe as a prototypical arm. Uh, you know, he can fling it at 6'4", 230-plus pounds, so you can run the quarterback powers he yep. can hold up. And, nice frame and, and and Tom Herman has it publicly. Now, privately could be totally different. But publicly, he's maintained that, hey, Two young kids have an uphill – it's an uphill battle for them to, to win the job. But they're still going to be given a chance to go compete. Yeah. Am I crazy thinking that okay. there's an outside chance that maybe, just maybe, as much as we're talking about Sam Ellinger, wow. that maybe the best quarterback for this team and the best quarterback for this offense right now and the best quarterback for the future of this program, what if it's Cameron Rising? That'd be good news. Um, what if it is? And I say that That'd now be because awesome. You'd if he if he plays, you're not playing because it's like, man, we don't have anybody else. You've got two guys that have some skins on the wall. Mm-hmm. He'd play because he's the best one. Exactly. Be, and you're in awesome a position right now to where if he's your guy, you're making him the guy because you're like, hey, he's the best we got. You just he, made two he's guys better, transfer probably. He's better than these you two just, guys. So, <laughs> wouldn't you rather redshirt him if you knew he was the guy rather than him play right away? <sighs> that's a that's a tough because deal. That's a gamble on his in cr- Texas time. It is. It's like, well, I think I think we all agree Tom's safer than Charlie was. So Tom will get sure. five where Charlie only got three. Even okay, if so then, a, then a, a in that fire. case, then yes. Uh, but would you rather case. redshirt him because that guarantees you your Colt McCoy or your Vince Young? If you see it in this guy, you've seen it before because those are the Unless most transcendent quarterbacks in Texas football history. And if he leaves early, great. That means he's that damn good. But you only if he get leaves two early, years. go to the league. True, true, true. If he leaves early, go to the league. That's a you know what? That's a more money, more problem situation. But point being, that's a problem I want to have. I want to have a problem. Where Oh man, he might Vince be good enough. No, 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 to but go get drafted top five in the league. Let's think logically about this, up. though. You know what I mean, so logically, I'm just saying, Chris Sims, if he redshirts, he's a better quarterback. We all agree. Yeah. Okay. So ideally, you would like to redshirt those guys that puts you out of the cycle of bringing guys in and having them play right away because you've been in quarterback hell so long. And so I, I'm going to say, if you know that's the guy, you right now focus on the two guys that are going to play right away. And I would focus on redshirting that kid because right now all you're doing is mucking up the quarterback situation. You make him – if he ends up becoming the starter – and I'm not saying that if he's the best quarterback out there, period, then he's the starting. But he's not the best quarterback out there. He's not. If he was, we'd know that by now. Right. You know what I mean? That would have come out. He's not the best quarterback out there. Uh, So my point is – And it's hard to imagine that happening in these two months leading up to camp. Exactly. So even if at training camp he's getting close to their level, you're like, damn, man. No, you're right about that. He's pretty close to Shane and, and Sam already. I would, I would redshirt him. Yeah, because okay. there's no upside there him. if it's the same. Yeah, because let me ask close, you this. And that means next year he's gonna surpass both of them, and then that's when I'll make that kind of. Let move. me ask you this: mm-hmm. right you now, were, it's too much risk and less benefit. Your last year on the forty, you were on the practice field with a young Vince Young who yeah, redshirted. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Was it is that is that kind of where you're yeah. thinking where yeah, you look at know. him and everybody knows, we know. but we know. you're really investing in the future. You we know. But, you know, I mean, you don't want to – listen, you just came off a quarterback controversy. It's kind of similar, too, if you're Mac, all right, and you bring in the best quarterback in the state, uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the country, mm. and everybody's expecting big things from him. But, hell, you still got, you know, Sims there, and I think at the time it's well, in Matt Chance, Chance Mock, Norco were both Matt there. Matt Norgan. Yeah, so you got – yeah, exactly. You got, you got some guys there, but you know, looking at the – just the rate of development, holy Chicago, if this kid gets, like, even close to the level of these guys – 
he's going to surpass him like that mm-hmm. because he's got way more potential. He's got way – his ceiling is way higher. Definitely so, wasn't a spread yeah, baby, though. Exactly. Then. So there was a long learning curve. It was B-Way. a longer learning – yeah. So I, I, that's why I would I would want to redshirt some of those quarterbacks because I remember seeing Vince Young going, all right, well – Damn, I wish he was a freshman when I was a freshman so I could be with him as a quarterback. And I had a damn good one. I had, you had, five, I had a five-star quarterback who right. was damn good for Top us. National. You know what I mean? Yeah, who thought about transferring, which all five-star quarterbacks mm-hmm. are going to think about doing at one yeah. point. And as major, I'm sure he thought about it at one point. Um, so, yeah, I would I would start you, – you got four quarterbacks in the quarterback room for the first time since when, 2012, I believe it was? I think 2012, so, yeah. 2011, and 2006. I believe DJ Kenny, where you have four quarter the last three years you've had four quarterbacks, and that's because why? What happens in 2006? Well, you lost Vince Young, Mm -hmm. so you know what? I don't know who's going to be the quarterback. Let's load up the quarterback room. 2011 and 12, what happened? Garrett Gilbert, that the he who shall not be named happened. So it's like I don't know who's going to be starting the quarterback. Let's bring in as many quarterbacks as possible. And right now, I think Tom Herman is kind of thinking what you're thinking. I don't know who the hell is going to be the quarterback of the future for Texas. So I'm just piling quarterbacks in the room until one of them separates themselves from the pack. And then we'll make the decision. That's I think a process. That's so it's kind of survival of the fittest right now. So I agree with you. I think the quarterback of the future, although we're living in the present, we're dealing with Sam Ellinger and Shane Bouchelle, and if somebody's going to transfer and, and whether Sam, Sam can take to the next level, the quarterback of the future may be among Casey Thompson and Cameron Ryan. Yeah, and, and, yeah and he uh, is, me, and then you have the president. And yeah, if one yeah. of those happens to take over the president, that's only good. Let me, pre- let me say this, too, because I think people might get it twisted. Because I think there's a tendency of Texas fans to – they, it, it happened with Shane Bouchelle, and it's happening right now with Sam Ellinger, mm-hmm. where you look at the guy as a freshman, he struggles, like, this guy sucks, next, who's next? <laughs> Get the next guy in here. That guy's a bum. That's, that's not what this is. But you're Tom, Herman, Tom Herman's at a point, Rod, where I think, I'm not saying he, it, it would make or break his tenure depending on which way he went, but it, it's it's a situation I don't envy him being in because yeah. if – and we're going on the hypothetical that Cameron Rising is that good. Cameron Rising might not ever play meaningful down Matt to Texas. Yeah. He might be Nordco. Which, by the way, Nordco is a rare breed, total like package, the rare man. breed for the top quarterback in the package. state. Like, you got to transfer? No, nah, I'm good. I'm good. Good. I'm going to hang out. Well, and he wasn't a trust fund, baby, but Nordco comes from money, so it wasn't a big deal to him. And he loved Austin, like loved the nightlife and all that kind of stuff. And he didn't Anybody that's like, seen his reality show could probably tell. Yeah, probably he wasn't put two trying to compete together. with Sam. Like, he didn't care and, and all those guys and Chance Mark and Vince Young, he knew his he knew where he was. He did a Damn better self evaluation than any other coach could have ever done on him. He always was like, I'm good. Uh, I'm so good. No, right you don't do that, man. You to did go you see to play? me run the ball nah, against Baylor? I'm, I'm going out tonight, right after practice. Yeah. I'm going straight to Sixth Street. Yeah. When there's, when there's that's game where I'm the total package. And he and he was. I would say Nordco, man, Orco closed on man, he, he used to have he used to text multiple women. To, I hope you don't remind me something of the story, but don't he tell probably, He had a dating he show text, with multiple women. This, so, yeah, 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 so, so yeah. this was public. He would text like eight girls to meet him at same the same place. place. Like just inviting disaster. <laughs> because he, he wants would, them fighting. Yeah, yes. He would like invite them to this reality show like brawl. He was ahead of his it, time, it, it was, man. Like he was the bachelor and all these women were coming to defend for him. And it was the craziest thing, but it would work every time. He would leave with like three of them. And they were like, well, they, what are they going to do? What yeah. the? Which he, ones worked together? He, he, would, he, was, he was, that's why he was classic. That's why he was So Nordco was clearly uh, ahead he was of his time. the deal. Yeah, he was. And, and a rare breed and we don't see guys like Nordco anymore. Yeah. So anyway, I, I just want to restate. Sorry. I'm not stating this, you know, we're going off the, uh, off the premise that uh, Cameron Rising is, is the guy for the future. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. But if you're Tom Herman, you're at that point in your tenure where it, it could go it could go a number of different ways. If you right. decide to stick with the two vets, as you said, Rod and Redshirt, the young kid, well, what if you have another six and six year? Yeah. Then you're kind of loading up the pressure for year three. Right. Um, or what if you decide to throw him in, throw the young kid in, and it doesn't work, and then you've got another mm. true freshman quarterback that, eh, how this kid's gonna recover psychologically and everything? He got beat up a little bit. Roll so, the dice. yeah, it's it's, it's a, a risk, it, and it goes back to whether you're talking about recruiting, player development in college, the draft, or player development in the NFL. Man, until you put the ball down and a guy gets behind center and the bright lights are on, you don't know. 
You have no idea. Nobody knows. Everybody's taking. Uh, Tom Herman doesn't yeah. know any different from me. They know any different from Rod. They know yeah. any different than the guy sitting up in the nosebleed seats. Yeah, you got a theory that you may have a higher success rate than other person, but we're all taking educated guesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I agree with you. When quarterback actually at that at that position, yeah, at that position, it's even more so. There are some other positions where you can project a little bit better, but quarterback, nobody has any idea. Go look at the stories you like get Russell to see Wilson. A decision yeah, made. go look at the Dak Prescotts of the world. I mean, it shows you over and over again. The NFL did it again in the draft with Josh Allen. Yeah, hey, he did. hey, he could throw he it could seventy throw it. yards on his knee, but mm. can he play football? Mm. I'm not. Well, sure. I don't know. <laughs> then <laughs> why are you throwing? spinning a yeah. top it's ten it. pick on him? There you go. Upside, but then baby. The NFL decided to think outside outside the box with Baker Mayfield. Yeah, you know, a, a kind of an undersized quarterback from a system that's not really popular in the NFL for producing franchise quarterbacks. Baker Mayfield, former walk-on, so didn't even get a scholarship twice. So, yeah, so yeah, exactly. So the, the NFL, <laughs> they're changing slowly but surely, but yeah, there's still some of those ignoramuses out there who drafted Josh Allen that high. So the bottom line is, I mean, I think we can all see a scenario where it works with Sam Ellinger. I I think it oh, does. Yeah. I think my only my only concern with Sam Ellinger, and I wish I was some wood I could knock on around here. I don't know, it's as close as I can get it's to his it. own uh, himself. My, it is yes, it's Bam Bam Sam. Like, can you be a smarter runner? Because you're not gonna make it through an entire college football season to make it to the college football playoff. Which and then to make the championship, which ends up being what is it, fourteen, fifteen games or something? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you're not gonna make it that far the way you play. You got to be a smarter runner. You got to run like Vince Young, run like Russell Wilson. Be able to get skinny when you need to. Quit trying to run over DBs. It's not worth it. I need you for the long haul. Right. That's my number one concern with him. And number two, and I think he'll clean himself because he's just a freshman. Just being careless with the football, but I think he'll clean that up too. No yeah, question. and basically those two things, you basically have to tell Sam, we know you love Texas football, but you can't play like you love Texas football. Don't play like you're not Bevo. He, Don't play like you're Bevo. But, yeah, because yeah. he's running his head through a wall like he's playing with that passion, and then he's trying to force things in. He wants to carry his hometown team and the team he's grown up loving. That we love it. I could see that idea of your emotion, and sometimes emotion can be channeled in the right directions, but it also can be when you're dealing with aggression – in a position that you may not want him to be that exactly. aggressive, that it can at times be a fault of his. And then the other thing. That's why before, Shane is so important. That's yeah. why Shane is invaluable. Yes. Right. Because of Bam Bam Sam. You need an insurance policy behind Bam Bam Sam. Shane is that insurance and policy. And I'm not saying I'm not saying Tom Herman did anything deceitful, but I've got to imagine part of not declaring a starter is you got to keep Shane Bouchelle around. you got to make sure he's there. You need him. Because Sam Ellinger's one play away from not being the guy anymore. And well, that, there's yep, no, exactly no deceit right. there. It's like that's just what seems the best way to – his goal is to have the best football team. And, and vice versa. Get the it, best it, football it, cuts, team. it cuts both ways, too, because if you decide Bouchelle's the guy, you're like, okay – yeah, he's we, he's been proven he's one play away from being also, really ineffective. That's yep. Very true. Yeah. So, so you yeah, you need both of them. So it, that whole scenario of well, if you don't, if you got two, you don't have one. No, you need two. Yes, yes nowadays Texas you does. do. Yeah, Texas. Yeah, actually nowadays you do. Look at Alabama. Look at Georgia in the national title game. Look at yeah, the you Super need Bowl. Two. You need two, and someone's gonna hey, get a Super Bowl. Somebody's gonna somebody's gonna leave. Somebody's gonna West get hurt. Side. That position, that position overall, not just the person that is the best at playing that position in your team, but that position overall now has become so important that you need. To you need depth, like you need talented depth there at any elite level of football. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's show. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you are more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother. For Matt, for Rod, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network, 1049 The Horn, hornfm.com, worldwide on the Horn app, AM 1260, where you can hear Rod each and every weekday on the Rodcast from 1 to 3. Famous plug. And thanks to Matt, you get us on iTunes, tune in. All the podcast apps out there, and get all of our archives on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.